I'm Emily Danielson, and welcome to the Bible Idiots podcast. This is the teaching home of Mr. Bible Idiot himself, the senior pastor of Fresh Encounter Church, and my husband, Chris Danielson. Today we start a series on the book of Ruth. It is awesome to see the depth Chris pulls out of this truly incredible story. We start in chapter 1, verse 1, in a message entitled, Living a Steadfast Life. And I don't know about you, but man, after that last song, I want to sing it from the mountain, shout it from the mountain, just continue to proclaim with Christ and because of Christ. And what I want is a steadfast life. I don't want to be willy-nilly. I don't want to be all fired up today and then tomorrow, no, not. And I'm going to share with you today part one of a four-part series on the book of Ruth. And Ruth could easily be, the book could easily be renamed Boaz, and as you see today, it could easily be renamed Naomi. There's so much going on here. But we're going to take the first chapter of Ruth, and we're going to read the whole thing. And it's a longer run. It's 22 verses. So we're going to have it on the screen for you. And uh, we've done a lot of stand-up sit-down today. Let's just stay seated, but honor God with your attention as we go through Ruth chapter 1. Ready? Here we go. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion, and they were Ephrasites, Ephrasites from Bethlehem in Judea, I'm sorry, in Judah, and they went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. They lived there about ten years, and both Malon and Chilion died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, For she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and had given them food. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, Go, return each of you to her mother's house, and may the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that... The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. And I should say, I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night, would bear sons, and would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. 
And she said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. And where your people are, they will be my people. And your God, my God. And where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. My, may the Lord do so to me, and more so, if anything, but death parts me from you. And when, I, and when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said, no more. Verse 19, now they go to Bethlehem. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem, and when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman said, is this Naomi? She said to them, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. Sidebar, Naomi actually means pleasant, and Mara actually means the word bitter. Verse 21. They went away full, and the Lord has, I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, with her, who returned from the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, let these be your words to your children now. In your name we pray, amen. A little bit longer run, but it's hard the first pass to actually see what's going on here. So I want to take you through the depth of what we just read because it's amazing. This is an amazing part of the story. And I encourage you to read the whole book of Ruth. And I can tell you exactly how long it should take you because I timed it. You hit the audio recording, you know, where the guy comes on, Ruth, chapter one. You know, it, that, that voice guy. 13 minutes and 52 seconds to read the whole or listen to the whole book of Ruth. You got an extra 13 and a half minutes in your world the next couple weeks? Read Ruth and watch how each of the chapters the story develops. And this week, you know, I'm working ahead. This week I was in our, our fourth series, fourth sermon of the series, um, you know, when Boaz is the kinsman redeemer. And so I'm all geeked up on that all week. And then this morning I'm reviewing my notes here and I'm like, oh yeah, we got to go back and do the Naomi thing, which is so good because there's so much depth here. Now, there are many stories in the Bible that serve as an encouragement to our hearts, but the book of Ruth is just one of the most fabulous ones. See, people will look at these little, this little book that was written during the time of the judges and they will see a love story. Yes, the Boaz and Ruth love story is fine, uh, but that's a really shallow interpretation because the bigger picture is the lost sinner who through divine guidance and providence is brought into a relationship with Yahweh and is made an ancestor to the Lord Jesus Christ. A journey that each one of you that is here that is born again is on, by the way. We are taught in this book that God is not just the savior of Israel, but he is the savior of the entire human race. You, you read that in there today? Yeah, let's, walk, let's look at it together. See, I'm just speculating, but it seems that Ruth and Orpah had been hearing something of the lives of these backs, backslidden Israelites, which is what they would have been. Because if you take the culture, when uh, Elimelech took all of his family out to Moab to try to make a living, and then he died, then what happened? Both his sons then took Moabite wives, right? This is not part of the Jewish culture, 
you follow? I mean, these are, they have stepped outside of what the county would want for them, if that makes sense. And it may be that while they were there, they continued to have somewhat of a discussion about Yahweh because when these girls married into this Israelite family, they kind of knew what they were getting. And when Ruth makes the decision to follow Naomi back to Israel, she knows she's going back into the Yahweh culture. And she made that decision. And isn't that kind of a parallel to how new life begins, a conscious decision? A conscious decision is made to leave an old life behind. And you want to go with Jesus into a new life in him. But a lot of times when we make these decisions in our life, it's like a New Year's resolution. It's only good until it's not good anymore, right? A lot of times we want to add Jesus to what we got going on. Let's try Jesus, see if he works. And it's like, you don't get it. Jesus isn't on trial. You are. You're the one who stands dead in your trespasses and sins. You're the one who needs new life. And Jesus comes to offer you new that, that new life. And if, you'd miss, if you miss the rest of this sermon, which we're going to get into some depth, don't miss that Ruth made a decision that she said was to the death. It was forever. And so point number one today is I want you to see Ruth's condition. We want to look at Ruth as an example of a steadfast life And she teaches us to remain faithful even when others around us are not. But her condition was she comes from a nation that is condemned. The Moabites were a condemned, wicked nation back in that day. They had been judged and condemned by the Lord. They were known as sinful. And so she's in a desperate and lost condition. A woman in that world had no opportunity to go down the street and get a job. All she could do was beg and, and pick the corners of the field to try to survive. It was an ancient culture where the husband was everything. That was the lifeline for the women of the day, which is why in the ancient cultures, when God the Father commands his people who want to obey him, he says what? Take care of who? Two, two types of people. Who? Widows and orphans, right? Basically saying those who can't fend for themselves and you can fend, You need to help fend for them too, right? So this is Ruth's condition. She is desperate and she is lost. And she latches on to Naomi and she says, hey, sister, if you're going down, I'm going down with you. We're going to do this together. Now, isn't that a picture of a person who is outside of a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Lost, in need of something to grab onto? We are helpless and condemned before God. We're nothing but lost and undone sinners. That's Romans 3.23. This is not the message you speak to build a church up. I mean, I got up. If they didn't have donuts, I'd be insulted right now. Come all the way down there just to have him tell us how sinful we are. Well, I'm right with you. Because of Adam's sin in Romans 5.12, and we're all abiding under the wrath of God, John 3.36. Jot that down. Look it up. And in in this adversity of life that she's living, uh, her husband and the brothers, they they died. She has no future. She's got this terrible trial. Don't we see a picture of humanity? I'm just asking. The Bible says our life is going to be filled with troubles and afflictions. But this is especially true in the lives of the lost. Because we all have trouble. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. But those of us who know Jesus... 
it's well with us, right? And Naomi had heard that there was food back in the land of Bethlehem, her people, where she could go home again. Anybody, any of you uh, watch the darkness coming across the world, not just America, but across the world, and you can't wait for Jesus to take us home again? Well, that's the vibe that Naomi has here when she hears that there's food back in Bethlehem. So she rises up to go home, and the two daughter-in-laws want to go with her. And that starts a journey that separates the two daughter-in-laws. And let's go to point number two, verses 8 through 15. You see Ruth's challenge. Ruth's challenge. As they begin their journey, Naomi encourages both of these ladies to return to the home of their mother. She prays that the Lord will bless them. She intends to send them away. You think that that's Naomi being bitter, right? Being Mara? Actually, if you stop and think about it, Naomi, I think, feels like she's trying to bless these ladies. Hey, go back to your folks where you have a shot. You're Moabites. Go back to Moab. You got a shot there. Turn back to those old ways where it wasn't as painful as, as this. Because sometimes following Jesus is painful, isn't it? She was going back to a land of blessing. And she didn't want her daughter-in-laws to necessarily go with. She didn't want the extra baggage. But I think she thought they might even be better off with their own kind. And maybe she only wanted something selfish at this point in her life. Naomi might have felt that maybe others would be in the way as she tried to resettle back in Bethlehem. Or maybe she was doing it because she just thought that they might be better. Think about that now as we combo that in with our relationship with Jesus Christ. Are we not challenged to give up our resolve to follow Jesus just the way the daughters were, daughter-in-laws were told to give up their resolve to follow Naomi? They were tempted to turn back to a land of wickedness. That's where she, Naomi was sending them back to. Was it out of this bitterness that she had no regard for either Ruth or Orpah? Yeah, just go back to your land of wickedness. You're probably going to be better off there. I'm trying to bless you. You know, step off. Go, go away from me. I'm, I'm going I'm to be unencumbered by you, and I'm going to try to go back to the land of Bethlehem, to the land where I might be blessed. Listen, in case you haven't noticed, life's filled with challenges, and Satan would love nothing more than to get you to turn back from what you're doing right now. You're pursuing Christ. Christ is drawing you to him. You're, you're growing, and all he wants to do is turn you back to the Moab of your past. And in these verses, don't miss this. You get an opportunity to see Ruth's heart put on display. And as she tries to persuade them, Ruth says, no, no. The only thing that is more powerful of somebody's intentional uh, in the Old Testament to me is when Jacob held on all night and wrestled with the angel of the Lord even after his hip got broken. This is Ruth doing the same type of thing. Have you ever been so sick of your sin and so in love with Jesus and you see the light and you see the forgiveness and you see the, the greatness of that that you want to hold on to that no matter what against all odds? And then you realize, hey, I don't even have the strength to do this. I need God to strengthen me to hold on to him. And then you get the peace that passes all understanding. 
Can you explain that, Chris? It passes all understanding. There aren't words for that. All I can come up with is, it is well with you. How do you react to the challenges you face? Many people react to challenges by turning away from the Lord. You can see it happening in their lives. Job, no one had it worse than Job. You know, Dixie, you and I are going to talk and we're going to compare who had it worse. And to be honest with you, no one had it as bad as Job, in my opinion. I mean, God put him through some stuff. Let's look at Job 1, 20 and 21. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshipped. He is at a desperate place. That's what this is saying, this whole tearing, shaving prostate. He's just done. And he worships. And look what he says in verse 21. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So let's examine the response of these two women in verse 14. When Orpah heard this speech, what did she do? She kissed her mother-in-law, turned around, and went home. And now Ruth is like, I'm doubling down. I'm going all in. Because she sees what Orpah just did. And I'm afraid there are a lot of people around just like Orpah. They face the challenges of life by defecting and going back to doing their own thing. And, you know, please don't react to how this in, in your life. Please, take a minute and seek God's face before you just reject him. And in our society, we have so many people that now they look at themselves as if they're, they're a god. And I'm, gonna here to, I'm here to proclaim to you you're not, okay? No matter how special you think you are, you're not a god. And if we disagree with you, we are not blaspheming you. Okay, But that's what our society has come down to. And many people that are serving Jesus Christ, it becomes uncomfortable for them, and they turn away. And in verse, the second half of 14 and 15, Orpah leaves, and then Ruth what? She clings to Naomi. She is determined to stay with her mother-in-law. This allows a glimpse into her heart. She shows us here by her actions that the best response in a time of challenge is to hold fast to the truth you know is rock solid. Uh, excuse me. The heart Ruth reveals to us is one of absolute devotion and commitment. Does anybody here have absolute devotion and commitment? You see, instead of driving us away from our commitments, the challenges of life should cause us to cling to him more strongly. And when you've done that, when you've been there, there's a sweetness in the midst of that storm swirling around you that it is well with you and you can never go back. You can never be the same again because Jesus has changed your life and you're so happy about it. She was willing, Ruth was willing to follow a new Lord into a new land to live a new life. Is that not a picture of those of us who have come to the foot of the cross, laid it all down and said, enough, enough of my will, Lord, your will be done? So point number three is Ruth's commitment. And there's six things that I want you to notice that she committed to, six things. A, she commits to a new land. She's willing to follow Naomi wherever she goes. She's willing to leave Moab behind forever and to follow Naomi to Israel. You know, I know some folks 
who've never moved from the town that they were born in. And I struggle with envy. I wish I had roots like that sometimes. Not all the time, but sometimes. And when I get, it to, when I get to Harlan, Iowa, and I see the kind of roots that are here, I want to be a part of it. I want to go into this new land. And let me share with you something. A, y'all are good. You're all great. The community's wonderful. It's fantastic. But you're not that great. I mean, I, 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 like, I like Harlan football, but it's not that great. <laughs> no, what I love is I love seeing Jesus in the lives of people who can't deny it. They can't deny their testimony because it oozes out of them. And when we follow Jesus to a new land, I told Jesus 25 years ago, I said, anywhere from Albuquerque to Zimbabwe and anywhere in between, and we've had to move a bunch. And when he leads you to this new land, it may be in your same job, in the same house, in the same block that you've lived at your whole life, but it'll be a new land if you are a new creature in Christ. And I have people say, well, I don't know if I could just pick up and move to a new town like you guys do. We don't. We just follow Jesus wherever he goes. Wherever, wherever Jesus is taking us, it's good. It's good. We will say that it seems a little better here in Harlan than a lot of places we've been, but that's a whole other story. B, she commits to new leadership. She is willing to submit to Naomi and allow Naomi to guard her. Uh, to guide her life. This is seen in the various times Naomi gives Ruth advice concerning the manners and customs of Israel. As we get through this book, Naomi is cheering Ruth along. When, they, when the three women are weeping together and then they're making decisions and they're weeping again, I mean, this is hard cheese that they are trying to figure out. And then Naomi and Ruth go to Bethlehem, this is not an easy journey. It's not all rainbows and llamas and everything just worked out fantastic and they lived happily ever after. No, there was a lot of stuff that had to go on. And what did Ruth have to do? She had to be pliable to the leadership of Naomi who was a, a, a member of that land that she was going to. And a lot of times in our Christian walk, we have to submit to new leadership. And let me tell you where that new leadership starts. It starts with the word of God. One of the first things the enemy will try to get you to do is to discredit the word of God. Oh, that was just written by a bunch of people. Yeah, I don't think so. The Bible's inspired word of God. Why do you say that? Because it was written over 1,500 years by 40 plus different authors who all had different walks of life. You know, they, they, were, they were priests, they were farmers, they were fishermen, they were kings, they were poets. And they all had this harmony. And they're not writing about things like medicine or construction or anything like that. They're writing about things like angels and demons and heaven and hell. And there's this harmony throughout the whole thing. And over a thousand times, the Bible itself claims to be the word of God. Now either it is what it says it is, or it's the most deceptive book to ever be written. Either fully embrace it and own it or run from it. You have to decide. I've made my choice. I know what it is. And it's the kind of leadership that only God can provide through his word. You say, Chris, is the Bible your final authority for life on earth? Yep. 
don't you think that might make somebody feel uncomfortable? Don't you think you should apologize? Nope. See, she commits to a new lifestyle. She is willing to give up all the old ways of Moab and conform her, her life to the way people live in Israel. She is ready to make a dramatic change in her life. Let me share something with you. When Jesus comes in and forgives you, when he touches your life, regardless of whether you've been through stuff like me or Dixie or anybody else, it doesn't matter what you've been through. When he touches you and gives you that new life, you will have a change. If you sh show me somebody who, who claims to be touched by Jesus, who has no change in their life, I'll show you somebody who played some sort of game and pretended and never really changed. D, she commits to a new lineage. Ruth is willing to cut ties with Moab. Done. She wants to be part of a nation which she has married into, so she already has a claim to that new lineage. E, she commits to a new Lord. And this is perhaps the greatest statement Ruth makes. She is willing to give up the gods of Moab and follow the true and living God of Israel. This statement is her declaration of faith in Yahweh God. That's what she's doing in verse 16. That's her statement. And remember, I've told you this before and I'll tell you again. Human beings will not always live out what they profess but they will always live out what they actually believe. And Ruth believed it. She had a new Lord. F, she commits with no limits. She tells Naomi that she is willing to commit to this new plan for life as long as she lives. She even invokes a curse of God upon her life. I don't recommend that for anybody. She invokes the curse of God upon her life if she lets anything but death come between her and the commitment she has just made. As we consider the commitment Ruth made to Naomi, it paints a picture, does it not, of the commitment we should be willing to make to the Lord Jesus Christ. See, a lot of times people want to look for converts. I don't see that in the Bible. I see transformation into disciples. God wants us to be transformed into disciples. And then we should be willing to cut ties with the old life and enter a new land of blessing with the Lord. We must be willing to commit to his leadership over our lives. There should be a commitment of a new lifestyle based on the word and the will of God. We should consider ourselves dead to the old life and alive in a new relationship with Jesus Christ. Our lineage has changed. Obviously, this means there has to be a new Lord, a new master who dominates. You ever hear that verse in the Bible, pray without ceasing? What does that mean? That means I got to go off and be, you know, a monk and sit, you know, sit with my hands out like this and say om a lot and do that all day, every day? No. It's as you ebb and flow, as you move around your day and as your brain is working and thinking, you're constantly in communion with God. And a lot of times it's not because you want to, it's because that's who you are now. That, that's, your, that's your new world. And the commitment to the Lord is without any restrictions and so our commitment to Jesus Christ is complete, and it's absolute, and it's final. And when it's that final, it just is part of osmosis. It's like breathing. Anybody here know breathing is kind of key? I guess some of you can do without oxygen. <laughs> 
But that's the life in Jesus Christ that we are about. That's, that's what gives us the freedom in Christ to just ebb and flow with, with a lot of things open to what God's doing in our lives. And if this describes you in your life, God wants to use you in a lot of different ways. Let me tell you something. I have rarely seen people plan out how God's going to use them in their life, and then they walk right along that path as if nothing's happening. Usually, God starts using you in ways where you don't want to be used, using you in ways and circumstances you don't want to be in, or using you after you failed in a circumstances where he wanted you to be a certain way and you weren't. Now, I'm going to share this with you, and this might be a shock to you, but in confrontations, I kind of had a big mouth. I know. Sometimes my shyness gets exposed as being a fraud. And so something happens. And it happens a lot less now that I'm older, but when I was younger, I would snap. And I've never been in an argument I didn't want to be in. I loved them. And there are ways in those arguments you can completely step outside of what God's will is for you. And you can say things that can't be unsaid. And even if you go back and you try to repent of those things, it will never be the same. So what's God going to do? He's going to use you in a different way going forward. He's going to use you in a way where you're going to be able to put the past behind you so that you don't make those same mistakes again. But what if you keep making those mistakes? You know, the easy one for me from the pulpit to share with you, because it's true, is in traffic. I'm sorry, but some of y'all just can't drive. Amen. And I don't want the porcelain to fly off my teeth, but it does. And, you know, I mean, look... If, you are, if your car does not have a seven in front of the first number and you're in the left lane on, on the interstate, repent. <laughs> repent. But I start going through these things and I start seeing, I don't need to be judgmental. What if that person is just like lost in thought because they're, they're still struggling with somebody who passed away a year ago or they just got news that they got cancer and they're, they're coming back from the hospital. I mean, there's so many different analogies you can give to offer that person who you will never see again, who you'll never talk to unless you get underneath them, get them loose and put them in the ditch. But that's a whole other story. You, you're only with them for 15 seconds. I've counted. And I very rarely get to 15 seconds before... I, I, I can, I'm no longer dealing with these people. Are you telling me that, God, I'm not strong enough in you that it is well with me, the peace that passes all understanding, I have to throw it aside because of a 15-second problem? Am I that weak, Lord? Help me grow. So if you see areas of your life, you go to him so that you can be more alive in Christ. Don't forget Jesus didn't come and sacrifice himself so that y'all can be good little boys and girls. He sacrificed himself so that you are dead in your trespasses of sin and now you get to live. Not for today, but forever. And not only that, but because of what he did, 
that as I surrender my life to him and I give it all to him, he's going to present me in front of a holy God who can't be around sin as if I'm actually perfect. Can you, I know, you guys, it's a stretch, but can you think of a perfect Chris Danielson in front of God? I know I can't, but I know it's coming, and I hope you're all there to see it because I want to see you get presented in the same way. It's going to be awesome, and we didn't earn one ounce of it. And that's what makes us want to live a consistent and steadfast life. Not because we have anything to prove to anybody, but out of good old-fashioned gratitude, we want to be close to Jesus because when we're close to him, everything is cool. It's well with me. And when I'm apart from him, nothing works. Nothing works. Ruth lived a consistent and steadfast life. She was brought into Israel, married an Israelite man named Boaz, and became part of the covenant people of the Lord. And you know what she did? She is a Gentile like most of us. And she is in the line of Jesus. She became the great-grandmother to King David and an ancestor to the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of this came to pass in her life because she was unwilling to change her mind, change her devotion, or change her direction. Once she committed to Naomi, she was all in. And she lived it out. And we see what God did with an all-in life. She kept going in the face of adversity, and she did not give up. Can the same thing be said about us today? Are we living that life that is steadfast and unmovable? Always abounding in the work of the Lord, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Or as your devotion to the Lord tended to fluctuate based on the changing tides of life. If you are that fluctuating person, you're not alone. I'm the same way. This is why daily in keeping with repentance, says the scriptures. This is why Jesus said, pick up your cross each Sunday. Pick up your cross once a month. No, no. He says, pick up your cross daily and follow me. And he hadn't gone to the cross yet. That wasn't a normal term. What, what, would, when he, what, what would his audience have thought of that? They would have said, why has he given us a term of execution? It would be like me saying, pick up your electric chair every day. You know, that's what he's telling them. In other words, die to self. Pick up your cross, die to self, and live for Jesus, and he'll change everything. And Ruth kept going in the face of adversity. She didn't give up. So where is your heart today? Are you more like Orpah and you want the easy path? Go back to Moab, the Moab of your life? Or you want to be like Ruth and you want to persevere through difficulties and you want to be part of the victory of your ultimate, ultimately of your faith, which only comes from Jesus himself. We don't, we don't get to add to that. He adds to us and it's awesome. It's awesome when we get to do things that we're not capable of doing because he's doing it through us. And you want to know who gets the glory then? It ain't you. It ain't me. He gets the glory. So if there's issues that you need to get settled with the Lord this morning, come find me. Find an elder by yourself, whatever. Come and pray and get it settled today. Today it can be the day of your salvation as the Lord leads. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this story of Ruth. Thank you for letting God's word be a story that can be our story. And we just ask that you would bless each person here today. Lord, I ask that this would be something that over the next few weeks with Ruth and Boaz and Naomi, that we can just see so clearly how you want us to have a resolve and a spine of steel that can only come from you. 
for your namesake, for your kingdom, for your glory. May your reign come. Come soon, Jesus. Come get us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. To connect with us directly, go to BibleIdiots.com and look for the email address in the upper left-hand corner. We would love to hear from you. You can also connect with us on Facebook. Simply search Bible Idiots. I'm Emily Danielson, and if you like what you hear, please share this with the people in your world.